the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Katherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Our music is brought to you by Tanika Charles, courtesy of Record Kicks. Her album Soul Run and The Gumption are available now on all streaming platforms. Joining me today is friend to the show, frequent guest, had to bring him back. Now, my co-host of the Pickup WNBA podcast. Super exciting. Uh, welcome back, Freddie Rivas. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm very happy to be back. Yeah, we, uh, we're, we're hanging out a lot these days because we're both obsessed with all things basketball. So it makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, we started a podcast a few weeks ago. There's two episodes up. I think we're recording our third one this weekend called the pickup. Uh, it's a WNBA pod. We're both new to the WNBA. So if you're new to the league, you really get to kind of discover it with us, uh, which I really like about the show. Um, it's on the sonar network. Uh, it's available wherever you get podcasts and, uh, it's a super fun time. Yeah, check it out. Uh, I probably when you're listening to this, the WNBA All Star Game will have already happened. It's tonight, mm. but uh, you know, check out the highlights if you missed it. And uh, lots of very talented women will be playing during the Olympics, so that's also a, a huge opportunity for anyone who's looking to watch uh, more women's basketball. Absolutely. Um... Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to both. I foolishly volunteered to cover for somebody at a bad dog theater class tonight, and I'm going to miss the first hour How dare of you. the All-Star game. I just keep double booking myself. Are you no. also going to miss the three-point shootout at halftime? I don't know. I'm missing whatever happens between 7 and 8 p.m. Okay, you might be. you might not miss too much because... I mean, I can't imagine the game starts right at seven. That's true. Hopefully not. I hope for you that you get home and like the second half is just ending. So you hear like the story of what's going on. And then the three point shootout happens. It's amazing. And then the second half like really is what matters. You know, that's what yeah. I hope. Yeah. Um, I hope so too. Uh, well, with that, let's turn back to the NBA here. We're in the thick of the NBA finals. As we record, uh, the Phoenix Suns are up 2-1. Um, you know, the Bucks had an impressive game three win after being down 0-2. This whole playoffs has been really weird for that. Like all the home court advantage stuff, all the, oh, you're down 0-2 in a series. It's like all of this shit's really been thrown out the window, this whole playoffs, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, I think the rhythms in general are off. I do feel like there's a home court advantage still, but... I, you know, the weird part about home court advantage is it's always kind of loosely defined. I think some people have done studies like refs call more home friendly because of crowds potentially, but that's not even like a, you know, a certainty. And mm -hmm. then I think shooters shoot better at home, but you know, you know, well, I think the, the Dallas Clippers series, um, you know, there's been a bunch of stuff where teams have been just fine on the road. So yeah, and this isn't even the first time the Bucks have been down 0-2. Were they not down 0-2 against the Nets? I think you're right. I think they were down 0-2. Um, it's, it's horrible that I watched that entire series. I know. It, honestly, it wasn't long ago. <laughs> so much and has I happened. And I totally forget. So much has happened, but I'm pretty sure, because I remember at one point thinking like, oh, the Bucks might get swept, and then the Kyrie injury happens. And then yes. it all kind of changes. I think you're right. Cause I also think the bucks had the potential to eliminate the nets in game six as well. Right. Um, yes, they did. Anyway. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> We're figuring things out very slowly and very entertaining. Oh my God. That's brutal of my part. But in any case, I just feel like this whole playoffs has been super uh, weird for that. Just very um, unpredictable and very uh, non-traditional. And I just feel like literally 
anything can happen. That's how Mm -hmm. I feel. Like, I really feel like, you know, and I was saying it for the last few weeks in this podcast that I really feel like the Suns are destined to win. Um, But that last Bucks win made me like, kind of doubt myself I was like wait a second like I just started to see the narrative for the bucks a little more Mm -hmm. um yeah they definitely pushed them pushed their way into the narrative I think it was like here we go let's get Chris Paul you know the cherry on top of the uh, of his cake or sundae or whatever that analogy is like let's get him (laughs) you know that like he's already like a you know obvious hall of famer but I think like this would have been definitely, you know, a crowning achievement. And it seems like that is what everyone was talking about. You know, the fluidity of the Phoenix Suns um, and the rigidity of the Bucks. Although really, I've heard some interesting points recently that actually, I think the counter to that is truer. The Bucks have tried more stuff than the Suns throughout the playoffs this year. Uh, and the Suns have actually been a lot more rigid than the Bucks. but it's been working for both teams. So yeah, I mean, Giannis is definitely the most dominant player, and it does seem like he already knew he was the best player on the court, but now sees like how and where he can dominate um, whenever he's on the court. That 20-point quarter was insane. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I have several hot takes about this series, um, or just about these two teams in general. One Okay, I've decided, <laughs> I've decided that Budenholzer is a decent coach, not a great coach, a decent coach. Um, he is capable of making adjustments, but he takes so damn long to make those adjustments that it makes him frustrating to watch. I think that's very, very fair. And that's been closer to my take you know i think you know from potting with me all these years now that uh i've been pretty baffled by the bucks losing more so than being like oh yeah saw it coming when the bucks Mm -hmm. when the wheels have fallen off to me it's been more of like a like a curious disaster more so than this like foregone conclusion and i think that at this point you know buck uh, Bud can't adjust and Giannis isn't clutch are pretty broken takes. Like, I think they're pretty, ex- they're, if they're not fully expired, the Giannis one's toast. Yeah. I think the Bud one, he's in the finals. So it's kind of like, I don't know, he adjusted and beat the Nets. So I think at this point, sure, yeah, he lost to the Heat uh, last year, but he's in the finals. So, I mean, what can you really say now? Yeah. And, and like the thing with the bucks is I think if I remember correctly, oh my God, this is so bad. If I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure they've lost game one of every series in the playoffs. Cause didn't they lose game one to Miami and then they, they won? They, all I know the they swept games? the heat this year. They did sweep the heat. Yeah. They beat it was the a close crap game. Out of the heat. It was a close game. Yeah. And then they, and then every other game was a beat down. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. But then in the, but then in the semis and then the Eastern finals and now the finals, like they, they notoriously lose game ones, I feel. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, they did win the one against Miami, but they almost lost that one. And it's just like this guy just, I don't know, like he frustrates me as a coach, oh, but yeah. the adjustments he does make obviously do work. Well, I think, you know, um, Giannis handling the ball less up top and screening more. Honestly, I'd love to see some of that with Pascal uh, yeah. as a Raptors fan because uh, it really, really works well. And I think it takes a lot of the difficulty out of the, you know, Giannis's decision making. But uh, yeah, I think the, the, the idea that the Bucks, you know, basically get it, take a punch and then just are out uh, was true maybe uh but it's not really true anymore they've been like you said down in most series and we're we're not even talking about the hawk series where it seemed Mm -hmm. like oh this is trey's the best player and you know i know trey got injured but also Giannis got severely injured and somehow is okay so i think yeah the the critiques on the bucks are fair but i think at this point we're critiquing um a potential champion 
So it's like, it's not to me the same as like, if you're critiquing the Sixers, like the Bucks are separated from that now. Yeah. I, I agree with that fully. Um, here's my other, here's my other fun take. Um, there's been a lot of Giannis Shaq comparisons lately, mm-hmm. which are totally like rightfully earned mm-hmm. to me. Giannis reminds me of Shaq. If Shaq never left the Orlando magic. Oh, I love that take. That's like exactly right. I think, you know, just in terms of like physique, Shaq was like that. But yeah, I don't know. One of the most interesting parts about Shaq's career was that his like mega, mega dominance came when he slowed down and put on that like weight muscle. Like if you look at him as a Laker, yeah, his chest, everything's like way bigger than like he looks so much, you know, skinnier uh as a as a magic and but yeah i i agree that i don't think like it doesn't seem like Giannis has that build like he's so you know people call him like stretch armstrong so it seems like he's put muscle onto a skinny body well and it's funny too because i think if Shaq played in today's era he probably wouldn't have put on that weight no. And he probably would have had more um, focus on nutrition and stuff like that because he was totally. notoriously like bad for that. Although maybe that's like embedded in his personality and like that's just who he is. So there's that too. But I think he would have at least been more cognizant of those things one way or the other. I think so. And, and yeah, like, you know, there are players like that. Embiid notoriously eat yeah. candy. And, and some people are just so, so gifted that that's like part of their M.O., they can be like, you know, like Vince Carter ha- always had stuff where, you know, he wouldn't do things that other people did because he was like, just didn't need to. Um, I also think that uh, there's like, there's definitely players around the league who don't practice as much. And that's part of their like strategy. But uh, yeah, I, I think the Shaq comparisons are, are, are great. I actually pulled up basketball reference to have a look. And uh, I don't know, you want me to bust up some stats? Yes, please. Uh, so check this out. So I, I'm just doing, there's obviously, you know, so many ways to look at any comparison, but I'm just looking at the uh, playoffs, uh, you know, per game. And it's pretty intense. So, and this is career. So obviously you have to take into account Jack when he's older playing on playoff teams and bringing certain averages down, et cetera, et cetera. But um so they're, they, Giannis averages 25 points a game in the playoffs. Shaq averages 24. Uh, they both average the exact same amount of rebounds, 11.6. Uh, Giannis, the major difference I'm seeing is that Giannis averages a steal a game and Shaq's half a steal and Shaq gets two blocks, whereas Giannis gets one. And then Giannis has almost five assists and uh, Shaq has almost three. So Giannis definitely is more a focal point of the offense. And Shaq literally I, doesn't seem like he attempted a three in the playoffs. Right. No, he went enough. That would have been ridiculous. Oh, wait, I got to bust out the free throw. Yeah. Okay. So Giannis considerably better than Shaq from free throw, which I think really this comparison. Yeah. In so, the playoffs? Yeah. So he's, I mean, considerably, they're both not great. Uh, he's 61% and Shaq's 50 Whoa. Surprised we didn't see more hack Shaq in the playoffs. I thought Shaq was 60, but I mean, that's not according to basketball reference, but that's nope. throughout his entire career. So maybe yes. when he was winning championships with the Lakers, he was closer to 60. And then as it tailed off when he was with like the Suns or whatever. Yeah. Celtics too. And, and he probably just didn't care anymore. And it probably brought down some of his averages. No, I think that's a pretty good hypothesis. Um, That's super interesting. Like, I mean, just like watching them, like just doing like a little bit of an eye test, um, Giannis seems just so much more versatile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and he's... I mean, if he had, I mean, God, like if he had a player even close to what Kobe Bryant was, I mean, it would really be no contest. Totally. You know, I think Shaq's, Shaq's career is tied to explosive wingmen and he's yeah he's you know it doesn't take anything away from him but i think 
in the conversation around champions and leaders and like, you know, the most storied players, anyone who thinks that, that there's guys out there who won a bunch of championships by themselves is totally kidding themselves and not really digging into NBA history. Any, any major contender, any champion has that type of scenario. And I think your point is great. You know, Middleton's great. Uh, Drew's great. None of them is like on Kobe's planet or Wade's planet. And I think that should be definitely, you know, that should definitely be taken into account when people are talking about Giannis, you know, I'll go as far as say, yeah, they're, I mean, they're not on Penny Hardaway's planet either. It's true. And, uh, like, you know, I, I mean, this might be a bit, they might be, they might be on Nick Van Exel's planet. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I know. Hey, Nick Van Exel is pretty awesome, but but yeah, like I think that's, that's actually a a, a perfect comparison. Um, Who is that? Who is the other Eddie Jones? Was that the other one? Eddie Jones for sure. No, I, my, my, my super hot take, uh, I don't know if this is like super hot, but, uh, I think it would be fair to say that KD has never carried a team of this stature. Like all the teams he's went to the finals with are considerably more stacked than this. Uh, that's a great hot take. You're absolutely right. Okay. See, you know, I know, you know, my first thought is like, Oh, well, young OKC team. It's like, nah, they were at the, no, that young OKC team was so talented. So, you and know, it was when, like, I feel like people forget, like, people forget what early Westbrook was like. Mm-hmm. And, like, early Westbrook was phenomenal, and people actually liked playing with him. <laughs> like, people, like, I, I just, man. And he wasn't chasing triple doubles. And, you know, like, they would do all their interviews together. Like, when Kevin Durant won that MVP, I'm pretty sure he referred to him as his brother. Like, it's just, oh, it's so tragic to me. Every week, I feel like. I end up bringing up how tragic that is. We but you're right. all need all... an OKC doc. We'll get it. Yeah, we will. You're right. There will be a 30 for 30 on that one day. But uh, yeah, that was a more talented team. Um, you know, the whole like foot on the line thing, if you're a Durant fan, is pretty heartbreaking. Like mm-hmm. he had a pretty heartbreaking quote afterwards. And obviously I'm paraphrasing here, but he, he basically said something along the lines of it just wasn't in God's plan. And I just feel like what else could you say after something like that? I feel like that's the only thing you could say. I would be heartbroken, but I can only think of Drake's song. Um, oh God, God's plan. Yeah. I don't think he, so, he was not quoting Drake for the record. Right, right. He was not, he was not quoting Drake. Um, that's funny. Yeah. Cause I, you're absolutely right. Like Kevin Durant didn't pull that through. And, you know, you could argue that he should have, you could argue that like Kevin Durant should have been able to beat this team, but mm-hmm. you know, to me, I mean, the Brooklyn Bucks, was pretty stacked, right? super stacked i mean like the the blake griffin thing really changed things for me like you know what well also harden like when they got Harden, i was like oh the nets are gonna win it all and Mm -hmm. then when they weren't playing well together and you know people weren't showing up and blah 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 i was like all right i don't think this team is gonna get through but then when blake griffin showed up and re-emerged as like this awesome player i was like this team is just too stacked it won't even matter um, all this off the court shit just won't even matter. And then they just got injured at the worst time. I, okay, here this this segues into my next hot take about this Love series. It. Neither of these teams are repeating. Neither I'm, of them. I don't care who wins this year. Neither of these teams are repeating. Okay, can I can I like one up your hot take? Yeah we won't have repeat finalists for like three or four years straight, like different teams from each conference every time. But I love that. Don't you? Oh, I love it. And I I keep saying, I keep, you know, like I keep beating the drum of we are in a post golden state world. Don't get too excited by the finalists or the champion. It made perfect sense to me that the Lakers lost in the first round it will make perfect sense to me if Phoenix was in the first round next year. And I think maybe because there was a LeBron factor, but I think there's this big recency bias thing, right? You know, we saw it as Raptors fans where it's like, where did Kawhi go? They win. No. Where is LeBron? They win. Sure. Sometimes. And I think we're in this 
time where LeBron's grip on the league is loosening and Golden State doesn't have a grip on the league. And there isn't another team, player, franchise that's ready to be like, okay, it's our league now. There's lots of good teams. There's lots of good contenders. There's lots of emerging players. But whether it's, I don't know, pace and space or the yeah, three this, or we're this just whole needing a big three isn't what it used to be. Well, I mean, it looked good for a little bit for Brooklyn. I think it's still a potential winning recipe. Um, but yeah, I think you saw Golden State when you don't when you don't put a when when you stop putting energy into your reserves, what you're doing is saying, Yeah, these three Ferraris won't get nicked and we're good to go. And it's like, all right, but that's like certainly a strategy. It's certainly a risk. You know, I think we've seen it happen to a bunch of big threes where it's like one of them go down. And that's obviously why it's better to have a big three than a big two. But, you know, that goes into the whole conversation about what you do with the rest of the team, right? Well, I think that's where the Lakers went wrong because, I mean, look, like I still think you make the Anthony Davis trade. I'm not suggesting they, they regret that trade. I mean, they obviously oh, won yeah. a championship, but they got rid of so much depth in that process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it hurt them this year when they were injured. Also, like the whole Marcus All thing, like Marcus All was actually good for one game in that series against the Suns, but then they just figured him out. And I think, you know, at this stage in his career, he's just a step too slow to yeah. be like his just to be the peak passer and you know all the intellect that he brings to the game I just feel like suffers when he's just a step too slow and there was just nobody else like the Andre Drummond thing turned out to be a major bust Mm -hmm. and I just don't know what that team does also too like one thing I really didn't like about the Lakers was they really gave up like once Anthony Davis went down They gave up like they did not keep fighting the way we've seen other teams fight, like the way we saw the Bucks fight without Giannis or the way we saw the Hawks fight without Trey Young, like this team or the way the Nuggets fought without Jamal Murray, even like this team didn't fight at all. And I'm like, if I'm the Lakers, I am revamping a lot of my role players and I don't think I'm signing Dennis Schroeder. Ooh, that's a spicy take. Because he doesn't deserve a hundred million dollars. I don't think he does either, but he he's not a hundred million dollar player. And like, I mean, come on, like LeBron is 36 years old. You could sign Kyle Lowry for less in free agency than you're signing Dennis Schroeder for. And that's you're you're trying to win now. Mm-hmm. You are trying to win now. So I like it just that doesn't make any sense to me at all yeah I mean I haven't really dove into like the Lakers like contract situation like I don't know how much they could offer someone that they don't already have you for a hundred million dollars could they not have both Kyle and DeMar DeRozan on shorter contracts I think yeah yeah like yeah I mean I, I, I don't know exactly but I know that generally you can offer like the way it works with the cap, like they could probably offer Schroeder more money than they could offer those other guys. But again, I don't know what the whole contract situation is. And, and to your point with the Lakers, I think they really undervalued a bunch of their role players. Yeah. Uh, I'll always stump for Danny green, who for some reason people are like, they don't understand how good his defense is, which is wild. No, to they me. don't. Um, and then, you know, Dwight Howard was awesome. McGee was awesome. Uh, and they just kind of tossed these guys. Yeah. And I love Gasol. Uh, I, you know, I'm one of those people who will, you know, defend Gasol, but I, I think he's a hyper specific player. He's like kind of like Boban at this point in his career, where right. it's like he has actually some unique, cool value, but not with the Lakers. He's a passer and he like can help. Like, you know, there's a reason when LeBron went out, the Lakers maintained their defense and it was Marcus Gasol because he knows every coverage in the league. And when he's on the court, he can basically be a coach. He can say, Schroeder, go there. Uh, Markeith, go here. Uh, this guy's about to do this in three seconds. And that's helpful. But like you said, he's a, t- he's a step slow. And he's in this weird territory where he's kind of like, 
yeah, he's kind of like a coach out there, but he can't move with everybody. And anyways, yeah, like I think it was clear to me that the Lakers needed people who were ready to bang uh, and play defense, you know, like not like Harold, like they needed like, like rim protectors. And um, yeah, I think I, I, I was so confused why everyone was so happy with their off season. Like I thought it was like close to a disaster. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, it proved to be the case. Um, I agree. Cause like, I'm not a huge Dwight Howard fan, but he's better than Gasol and, and Drummond, which oh, I better. would not have known. Like, I guess I just haven't watched Andre Drummond enough over the years because he's just hasn't been on interesting teams. So it's like, you only see them when they kind of come in town and play against the Raptors. Like I'm not really seeing him play outside of that context, but like, I thought he was going to be better. I thought, yeah, I thought LeBron would like bring out the best in him. I thought he was in a winning situation, but I think, you know, one thing I keep getting reminded of with bigs is that defense is so it's all about what, you know, and it's, you know, you see athletic bigs all the time, just like wildly out of position. And that's why you see a guy like Draymond where he's like, yeah, I'm not seven foot, but I'm just always, always, always in the right place. And it just is, it's crazy. Like, and you know, a guy like Draymond or um, like, like, like Andre Drummond, it's like, he just looks the part of like a defensive player of the year. And he's absolutely not that at all. He's a bad defender. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know why I'm, I'm slamming on Andre Drummond, but I think <laughs> this all started from this idea that, you know, Phoenix and, and Milwaukee are, you know, uh, who, who would be surprised if they didn't return? I, I wouldn't. Yeah, nobody. This, this talk about bigs brings me to my next hot take about this final series. Um, DeAndre Aiden. He is getting a lot of love lately. Good for him. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve any love. But the Wow, no- is your hot take that he doesn't deserve love? How no, do- he everyone deserves love. Um, everyone deserves love. The notion that the Phoenix Suns, if they win a championship, can no longer regret drafting him over Luca, I think is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. That like, is, I, like that is like, come on. Like, I know everybody, like, if you didn't draft Luca, you are reaching for a reason mm-hmm. to justify not drafting Luca. And Which I is, get yeah. I get the reach. As I mean, I've been I'm a Raptors fan, so I understand reaching. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> but that is a reach. That is definitely a reach. And like you said, I totally understand it. And I think it's one of those things where there can be multiple truths, but people are trying to squeeze in like a single truth. Like, I think you can say, um, we didn't draft Luca, but we didn't make a mistake in the draft either because we needed Aiden. We had Booker and our team's fantastic. So I think if you're the Suns and, um, uh, oh, who I forget who the GM is. Uh, oh, it's uh, J- James Jones. Um, and yeah, if you're James Jones, you're like, cool, I didn't draft Luca. Has he ever been out of the first round? And I think that's fair, right? And you know, drafting a center that is going to be good on defense and offense for like a decade plus is, I mean, there's just nothing wrong with that. Like, so I think it's one of those scenarios where. I'm sure at some point New Yorkers were like, I wish we drafted Michael Jordan over Patrick Ewing, but Patrick Ewing had just had an incredible career and was awesome. And, you know, I, I think the same with the, if you're yeah, but the, the Patrick Ewing comparison is for the sake of this conversation, more so like the having Trey young over Luca than it right. is the having Deandre Aiden over Luca. That's fair. Yeah, Cause DeAndre I, Aiden is a good player, but he's most certainly a role player. Yeah. He seems like a, like, well, I'd say he's a bit more than a role player, but he, he, okay, like he, he's not an all-star. That's what I mean. Yes. I he's think not that's an all-star. He's totally. definitely a starting center in the NBA and a yes. very good one, but he's not, yeah. he's not an all-star. No, I think, I think you're totally right. And like the, you know, 
when there's a super duper star in a uh, yeah when there's a super duper star in a draft i think people they just start looking around everywhere and they're like who else was in this draft and the draft is really really hard like how many people i mean I think the difference between like a Luca and a Giannis is a lot of people were saying that Luca is a game changing guy, like before the draft and he did get drafted what third overall. So I think people knew whereas Giannis was like 16th. So any teams, any team that's like, Oh, I was, you know, right. I, I knew about Giannis is like, did you? Um, I yeah. was listen. I, I think it was a podcast I was listening to. And now I don't know now I don't remember which one it was, but apparently the Hawks were really big on Giannis. And I can't remember the name of their GM at the time, but like even had like Giannis over to his house and had dinner with him and like introduced him to his whole family and really wanted to draft him. And then the bucks took him before their pick. Ooh. Yeah, so I, I, mean, I think a few people were on Giannis, but obviously a, everyone before him can't claim that they knew. I mean, I, that's the same with Kobe Bryant because Kobe Bryant went ninth? 13th. Yeah, 13. Like, like Paul yeah. Jordan too, I think. Yeah, there's a few players where it's just like... Why was like 11 maybe? Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think... Like I actually was like bored, uh, you know, like a month or two ago and, and I went through the NBA... Uh, like the past couple all-star games and the average pick for the player was eight. Uh, so, you know, lots of, there's lots of ways to make the all-star game, uh, you know, drafting high is huge, but uh, yeah, I, th- I feel like I've, I, I've lost track, but I, I, I agree That's with, okay. with your take, you know, like it's a bit of an overcompensation and a reach. And I honestly think that Trey has gotten a lot closer to Luca, but Really, even the Trey talk is like Luca's better than Trey, in my opinion. But um, I think they also have Trey and Hunter, so I don't know if that convolutes it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, we'll see. I guess time will tell with those things. My last hot take about the finals is I think this series is going to come down to who has the most consistent role players. Um, both teams have been inconsistent throughout these playoffs. I think the Bucks more notoriously mm-hmm. than the Suns, but last game, like Devin Booker did not have a good game. I personally think Devin Booker will bounce back. I think the Suns have been more consistent overall throughout the playoffs. I do think they will ultimately win the championship. But if, if, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday can string together a consistent effort, which I don't think they've been able to do throughout the entire playoffs. Like they'll have like one, two games in a row that are great. And then the third game's a dud. And then Giannis has to score 40 plus points for them just to even be in the game. Um, And I think that's really like frustrating as, as a Bucks, if you're a Bucks fan, because it's like, if they were consistent, then you could say we have a solid three. Mm-hmm. We have our big three if they were consistent, but they're not. And I think it will come down to their level of consistency this entire finals. And I think the Suns will end up emerging the most consistent. It's not, it's kind of a boring hot take, but that's really what I think all of this is going to come down to. No, I think that's like very reasoned and fair and, just for the sake of the podcast. And also I do think, you know, I've, I've been, I've been a Bucks believer. I, I, I think the Bucks in seven, but I feel like your logic's right. It's kind of like, you know, it's the finals and the stars are kind of doing their thing. I agree that Booker is going to bounce back and, you know, all those little plays from role players, you know, Cam Johnson hitting big shots, Pat Connaughton going like two or four from three, like, that really, really matters. Even though the games have kind of been blowouts, um, I think that still is like, you know, they're still kind of not feeling each other out because we're, we're heading into game four, but they're still tinkering. And, you know, even even the Phoenix losing Sharich and, uh, and Craig is massive. Those are two yeah, guys you throw on Giannis. And then now you're throwing on Kaminsky. It's not working. 
Okay, here here's one more. Here's okay, bonus hot take about these finals. Ooh. Um, based on you what hate you're the saying. name the valley. <laughs> no, the valley's fine. Um I think it is almost unfair to ask DeAndre Aiden to single-handedly stop Giannis. There's been a lot of takes out there about, oh, DeAndre Aiden has to be better on Giannis, has to be better on Giannis. Nobody, like, we're comparing Giannis to Shaq, okay? Nobody yeah. single-handedly guarded Shaq. So yes. what is this? Like, he needs help. And also, too, it's like the rest of, the, I know you're a bigger belief in the Bucks than I am. The rest of the team isn't that effing good that, like, if you shut down the rest of the team, Giannis will not single-handedly beat you like stop putting all this pressure on Aiden to beat Giannis one-on-one that's completely unrealistic and I don't think any of the adjustments and I do believe the Phoenix Suns will make adjustments going into tonight's game are going to solely be around Aiden trying to beat Giannis one-on-one like that is not gonna be the strategy at all like I just I've heard a lot of pundits say that and it's been annoying me. If that's the strategy, they're going to lose to the Bucks and sure. Aiden's gonna get in foul trouble every game. For sure. So yeah, and, and you know, I always go back to the Raptors run, but uh when we stopped Giannis, I was I was so annoyingly loud that it wasn't just Kawhi. It's it it, it was insane to me that people said mm-hmm. that because we we legitimately built a wall right we were the first team to build the Giannis wall and the wall was first point of attack Danny Green and that did get switched in like game four or whatever when when Kawhi's like I'm guarding Giannis but when he was like I'm guarding Giannis that only means for the first like three seconds of the possession because what happens is you drive Giannis into taller people and then he makes bad decisions. So like Gasol was massive in that series. Yeah. Uh, Ibaka was massive in that series and all of them stopped Giannis. And that's how the bucks are going to have to do it. You know, if you think about the heat last year, it wasn't just bam, like as if it was just bam, stopping Giannis. Like that's not how you do it. So, uh, Anyways, I totally agree with you. That's an that's an unfair expectation on Aiton, who's doing well, you know? So I mm-hmm. think he just needs help, and Giannis is an MVP candidate, so. Yeah, it's really about, like you said, just having that wall and having multiple people stop him. And even if he kicks it out to an open Middleton and an open Drew Holiday, like, Honestly, like they are not going to single-handedly beat you. I'm sorry. No. They're, Chris Middleton can have a game where he scores 40 points. He will not have a series where he scores 40 points. No, no, absolutely not. Like, and also like Giannis misses at the free throw line enough that it's really worth it. Like it just is. It's really, really worth it to foul him. Oh, totally. And I think like he's, I think been okay the past couple of games, but. If I'm the Suns, I'm like, I'm testing that for sure. He's so much better at home than on the road at the free throw line. It's obvious that the fans counting down affects him. 100%. It really does. I love it so, so, so much. And I love that now the Bucks fans are like retaliating by being like, let's be extra quiet, which also might rattle him. And I just think that it's like, <laughs> it's a cool, it's a cool legacy piece for Giannis. Like how many players can be like, I was so good and did something so specific that every crowd I played against tried to do, tried to make me worse in a, in a specific way. It's very Shakespearean actually. It is. That he has a fatal flaw. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, let's move on to a little bit of Olympic talk here. Team USA has lost two in a row. Um, and, uh, people are getting concerned, Freddie, I feel like you follow the Olympic basketball probably a bit more than I do. Have you been following this? Are you concerned? Do you care? (laughs) Uh, I will say this. I do care. Um, I'm not concerned. I tried to find the Argentina game, uh, yesterday and I couldn't find it. And then I gave up. So I'll say this. I don't care that much. Um, I did, <laughs> but I did, you tried to find it, which I, is your level of caring. Yeah. And I saw the pictures of Luis Swola 
shout out to the funny comments. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, yeah, he's a he's a hottie now. Everyone's and, talking about how hot he is now. And he played for the Raptors like 10 years ago. So Yeah, like, he was not hot when he played for the Raptors. I know. So this dude, it's like, wow, man. This what? guy looks like an Argentinian George Clooney almost now. Totally. Like, what in the elixir is going on? Good what in the elixir is going on? <laughs> that is oh. such a good turn of phrase. Thank did you, you just make that up? I did. It was on the spot. Feeling good. Oh, my God. That's amazing. What in the elixir is going on? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'll tweet it out. Max two likes. You know what I'm saying? No, I'll like it. I'll like it. I'll retweet it. Okay. I'll, I got to look for one more. I really then. like that. Well, I've been playing a lot of Zelda lately, and I only just got into video games for the first time in my whole life. Bad timing on my part now that things are opening, but... Ah. uh you know, uh, there's elixirs in Zelda, so maybe that's why it made me uh, laugh a little more. Yeah, man, Zelda. Because uh, I don't know what's going on with. I don't know what I'm doing in Zelda. I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm. I have to Google and YouTube a lot because I'm lost. But uh, I'm figuring it out. I had too many siblings to play games like Zelda. Like everything had to be multiplayer. Uh, in my house. So oh, I feel like I, yeah. I missed out on a lot of that. I do know that he slices things and they turn into coins. And sometimes he like, Oh, that's an old, that's the older version. Oh, that's the old version. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, that's funny. My, my brother used to like, we used to do some like multiplayer games and then he got into other games and then it was like me watching him play video games. Hey, and I hated that. So I think that made me more like not into video games. But also like I don't like when guys are like that with sports either. Like they want to be like the one explaining sports to me. Yeah. I hate that. Like I don't I know enough about basketball that I don't need you explaining it to me. Oh, totally. like if I ask you, fine. No, I mean, I try and go by like, you know, unsolicited advice. Just try not to. Yeah, generally. Yes, exactly. If your advice is solicited, generally it's going to be received quite well. Exactly. Um, But anyway, back to the Olympics. Um, So you're not concerned about Team USA. You think they'll be just fine. Okay, I'll say this. I'm not concerned about them, but I am a firm believer that the rest of the world is catching up uh, very fast. And I think... yeah. Yeah. No, I've just been generally impressed by how well the rest of the world is doing right now. Because like Team Canada lost. We didn't even qualify, which was shocking and disappointing. And who were we playing against? Was it Slovenia? We lost to Czech Republic, who's a pretty oh, good team. Um, we lost even, to Czech Republic. Yeah. And then, you know, and then the Team USA loses to Nigeria and Australia. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's just one dominant team, like yeah. one other. Cause for years it was like, Oh, Spain is the other dominant team right. or France is the other dominant team or Argentina is the other dominant team. It's like, no, like all these teams are dominant. I think it's going to make for a really interesting Olympics because yeah, no, even if the U S win the gold, it's like, Oh, these games are going to be competitive. Totally. Uh, and you know, basketball, I'm sure it's probably still like cricket. But I think that basketball is, is got to be close to the second most popular sport in the world. And, you know, the Lithuania League's good. The Australian League's good. There's a bunch of, you know, incredible teams in Europe. Uh, and, you know, basketball is just coming. And I think, you know, with the Africa League, the dividends that are going to pay off from that are massive. Um, you know, shout out to that, uh, that fun cameo. Masai went to the last Nigeria game. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I just think everyone's like, freaking out. He has an iPhone, apparently. I know. Well, I, I guess I guess that's big because he's Mr. Blackberry. But yeah, I always imagine he's probably like, I have one of every phone. Um, I don't know why you guys are freaking out. <laughs> yeah, Masai for sure has multiple phones. He's like, I have a gramophone, dog. What are you even saying? <laughs> um, but no, I think. Yeah, I, I think like Team USA is number one. And I think when the games matter, that will show out. But there's just a lot of talent. And, you know, it's weird because I think from Canada's perspective, it's like, well, we have all this NBA talent. Like, what the hell happened? And that's fair. But 
for people who watch a lot of international basketball, you'll see that there's a lot of talent, not in the NBA, like some serious talent. And, you know, whether it's a guy like Mike James, just like stepping onto the starting lineup of the Nets this year, uh, or, you know, Compazzo taking over the, you know, point guard duties when Murray went out and doing, you know, a pretty good job. There's just, there's a high level of skill all over the world. And I think as much as you, the U.S., like I can't see them losing, I do think that the rest of the world is coming. Yeah, it's really cool to see. Um, I'm like, part of me is just like, man, poor Kevin Durant, really just trying to carry everybody uh, to something and it's not totally working out, but whatever. I think it'll ultimately work out for the U.S., but cough, you never cough, know. Cough, I, I'm cough, happy cough. that it's at least interesting. Sorry, I just said cough, cough, leadership issues. Oh, oh, I like that. Um, I mean, I've talked a lot about Kevin Durant, but in any case, uh, you know, you mentioned Masai. I wanted to talk about Masai. Uh, there's still no new contract, mm-hmm. um, but he's still forging ahead like nothing's new or nothing's different. What do you make of all of this? I think the take I read or heard it could be from Vivek Jacobs or, or, or Sean Willie, perhaps, but you know, it, it made a lot of sense to me was that uh, he's working for the Raptors. He's at the combine. He looks like he's the leader of the Raptors and that's how he's presenting. Maybe, you know, if you're so pessimistic, this is all just this like, you know, loyalty where he's trying to set up Bobby Webster for the future. But I think you know, looking at the landscape, there's not a lot of GM openings uh, anywhere in the league. I'm sure people would make room for Masai, obviously, but there's not a situation where it's like, that's the place. Uh, I've never thought he would go to another team personally, mm-hmm. but I do think that, th- sorry, the take, uh, meandering here, but the take is that basically um, he wants to wait till the finals are over. Uh, he doesn't want his announcement to get buried. And he wants to make a big deal of it. So it's, oh. it's going to be like, we're coming back to Canada. We're bringing a WNBA team. I'm just being optimistic. But like, you know, he's going to basically <laughs> say like, like, it's like his announcement. Like he's, he doesn't want to be like, okay, uh, you know, Friday afternoon announcement that gets buried by the weekend. It's like, no, this is a big deal. And I don't think he's going to announce during the finals. So I'm looking at that. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Sorry. Finish. 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 I was going to say, I'm looking now at that sweet spot between um, the, uh, the NBA finals, maybe perhaps right after the draft and right before the Olympics. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm hoping for. Okay. Here's the thing. Is renewing a contract or signing a new contract with the Raptors that big of a deal? It's a bigger deal if he leaves. True. So are you saying he's just, there might be like this nondescript kind of like attitude where well, it's, it's like, oh like, yeah, I resigned. If he wants it to be a big deal, why would it be a big deal that he stays? Um, I think... That's a good question. I feel like he, I mean, who knows what like is going on between, you know, he just wants pageantry. Like, I don't, I don't think he wants pageantry. I think he's a living legend. So I think he can't not have pageantry. Like, I think he is someone who's everyone's like, you're a G you're a boss. Yeah. But he wouldn't wouldn't orchestrate that. Like that wouldn't, I don't feel like that would come from a contrived place. Yes. I totally agree with that. But I also feel like, the other parts of that are, you know, MLSE and wanting to maybe engender some good vibes for a team that just like languished in Tampa. And, you know, there might be a, a portion of it that's like, whether he wants the pageantry or not, he probably needs to acknowledge that Raptor Sense will be celebrating if he. Okay. Resides. I can see that. I can see that. Cause I'm with you in that I don't think he was ever going to go to another team. Mm-hmm. But I could have seen him leaving the league. Me too. I still can. Because it's like, you know, this guy, like, does he really want to, like, 
develop a new team. And like something we were talking about on, on your pod with Katie was that I have no idea what direction the Raptors are going in right now. Like, are we trying to be in the playoffs next year? Are we trying to fully rebuild? Like where exactly are we at right now? It's feels very limbo ish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, does Masai really want to keep rebuilding or whatever? Like I, I just, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm worried, but it still all feels very uncertain to me. Uh, yeah. That's really fair to me. I think, one thing with Masai that I guess, I don't know if this is unfounded or what, but when people were kind of like framing it like, oh, well, maybe he's waiting to see what kind of draft pick we get. And, you know, maybe, you know, we didn't get Giannis. And it's like, I, I think Masai's always been someone who's down for the challenge and is comfortable being uncomfortable. I think we saw it in the trade deadline. Uh, I, you know, again, I won't be shocked if we get, if we do sign and trade Lowry, if we get way more value than there was, mm-hmm. uh, at the deadline, I think Masai and Bobby knew that they didn't panic. And yeah. I think they, they're just like, if everyone's freaking out, I feel like Masai sitting there being like, how you guys doing? <laughs> and that's like a, and that's kind of just his, is yeah. Part of his legend. I, I agree that all of this is a part of his legend. Um, I mean, you brought up Lowry. I wanted to talk about Lowry. You know, I find I have been, you know, putting his free agency and all of that on hold, mm-hmm. but it's coming up. I think it's August 2nd. Wow. Crazy. It's just in two weeks. Um, what do you think is going to happen with Lowry's free agency? Uh, you know, I don't know is the short answer. Um, I think, you know, I felt partially oppositional this year uh, to, you know, the, the idea that we had to move him. And, you know, I was definitely someone who, I don't know if I was in the minority or it seemed like kind of a split this year, to be honest. And I was on the side of, I want Kyle to retire a Raptor. I think paying him makes sense. I do. However, think that there is value uh, in kind of seeing what it's like if Fred has the full keys, you know, just watching like Atlanta this year, watching Trey play with Herder and, and Bogdanovich and Collins and Capella. It's like, Oh wow. All these four guys are his weapons. You know, Chris mm-hmm. Paul's kind of like that too. And I think with Lowry and Fred, it's like, they're both trying to do that. So then yeah, the other's shooting is a weapon, but it's not like a, it's not the same. And so I think there's, there's a part of that, that, you know, someone could sell me on, like, it, we need to move on from this era for the sake of the rest of the team. Uh, so I, it's, yeah, I'm all over the place here, but I, I think a sign and trade is very possible. I think him resigning is very possible. Uh, and I think him resigning kind of looks like a two or three year, probably like a friendly Dirk style contract. And, and there would be some conversation there about like, there's a part of this timeline where you um, are coming off the bench. And I think that people assume Kyle would just balk at that. And he's so competitive that I I don't see that to be honest. I feel like he's the type of person who's like, Oh, are you telling me if I'm on the bench, maybe we could win like more rings. Cause I'll do that. And the other side, sorry, I know I'm going on here is that I think Kyle, you know, his with, if the Raptors sign and trade him, it opens all sorts of things up. It opens up a Ben Simmons trade. It opens up, um, you know, a sign and trade with the Lakers, it, you know, and some people think he might just like sign with Miami outright, but I kind of don't think that that will work for him or the Raptors. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm like 50, 50 sign and trade and okay. Let me say this 40% sign and trade 40% <laughs> resign 20%. He just walks, but I okay. would be shocked if he just walked. Um, yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty good to me in terms of odds. Like I think the sign and trade is a real possibility. And I think, cause you know, 
I think he, you know, loves this organization enough to not just walk, Mm -hmm. but I think he wants to win. And Mm -hmm. I think he knows his value. I think he's very aware of what his value is. And I think as much as I think he knows he will always be beloved in Toronto, whether he stays or goes. And I don't think he will feel compelled to retire as a Raptor. I think he knows like any kind of hall of fame case, he would go in as a Raptor. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he will want to win. And I don't think he's necessarily going to Philadelphia to go back home. Although I know he loves Philly, but I don't think, I don't think it's going to be that kind of a move. Like I legitimately think he, he wants to win. I also think like, don't count out the fact that him and DeRozan are free agents in the same year. Hey, I love that. Right. Like, I don't think so much. I don't think they have the same power as, you know, the decision 10 years ago. Kyle and DeMar to the Lakers. (laughs) But like, but honestly, like they, I would not be surprised if they ended up in the same place. Toronto, bring my boys home. Come on. (laughs) Um, It's so horrible, actually. That would be be so horrible. It would actually be terrible. Fred, you're coming off the bench. Gary, you're coming off the bench. We're running everything to DeMar. (laughs) Be so horrible. Uh, um, that, wait, let, okay, yeah, I, but I think, but I do think he's leaving. Can I, I think he's leaving, and I think um, I made my peace with that, but it was hard. Fair. Um, I think I have not made my peace with that. When he does leave, though, I feel like I've had some big Raptors moments, so I'll be ready for it, and I'll, I'll try and be in the moment and present, but it will hurt. I was just going to say that I think a big factor for me here is actually the draft, uh, the Raptors getting lucky in the draft. I mm. think them getting promoted from seventh to fourth yeah, is a bit of a game changer as far as like, you know, you're looking at an asset you can draft or, you know, I hate using that term, but you're looking at a player that's going to be on like a, a friendly contract that could be franchise level talent even if it takes them a couple years so i think the type of player like that they need a runway they have to play like you can't whoever we're bringing in we can't give them the malachi treatment whoever we're coming in has to play 25 minutes a game like that's how good yeah yeah um but yeah the other thing i'll say is that i feel like there's like this weird you know we were talking about this on uh on the rwmba pod about like the the term snub and i think he wants to win is always secondary to he wants the most money possible. So I think that, yeah, he wants to win, but oh, yeah, I don't he think wants he's the most money. Yeah. So it's like, that's the deal, right? So it's like, he wants to win. Okay. Go to the Lakers. It's like the Lakers are offering you $5 million. Bye. Right. So I think it's like that. And I think a player is like, Oh, like I can, and especially a guy like Kyle, he's probably like, I can win with 15 different teams. So give me the highest bidder. And I, I don't think he's like, oh, you want me to like sacrifice everything? Uh, so I'll come on your team for less money and less role? No. That's what, that's, that's what I think. That's the, for me, the real stuff with, with Kyle and honestly with a lot of players. Yeah, but I don't think he would take a contract to stay on a losing team. Sorry, and I, I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that, like I said, I just don't know the direction the Raptors are going in. Totally. And that's a big part of, I think, I think Kyle wants to know the direction as well. And I don't think it's fair to say that this team is a contender. And I think the tricky part though, is like we were saying earlier, you know, is there a surefire contender? Is there a place that Kyle goes and it's like finals for sure. I think there's some arguments perhaps, but I also feel like it's like a combination of that and getting the most amount of money you can. So, like, if, if you put Kyle on the heat with Butler and Adebayo, it's like, that's a okay, pretty good I, I think if you put Kyle on the Nuggets, or I hate to say this because I really don't like them and I don't like their franchise, but if you put him on the Mavericks, I think you put totally him on agree. one of those two teams, holy shit, they could easily make the final. Okay, I love that you said the Nuggets because when all the Kyle trade talk was at its highest... That was my team. I was like, okay, you want to trade, you want to give Kyle a ring and get some like 
real assets where it's not just like Riley and the bus family and, and Maury's trying to slap Masai in the face. It's like, yo, those trades were horrible. And I think it's just disrespect. And I think Masai is just like, no, sorry. Like you don't disrespect me like that. And I think Kyle wanted to go to one of the good teams. So, you know, but, but the nuggets trade was, I was like, oh my goodness, him and Jokic. I mean, I wanted it to be Murray. I'm sure it's not Murray, but like whoever we no. could have got, yeah. I think would have been good, whether it's a Porter or who knows. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I do think there are some teams, if you put Kyle there, it is a real game changer. I, I Sorry, I, I should say, I love Kyle. I think he's a game changer. I think he can push a lot of teams over the top, but I kind of like defer to my other opinion that I think the league's wide open. So I don't think for sure the league is still wide open, but I just mean like you're increasing their chances significantly. Definitely. Um, Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, obviously I'll be sad if he goes, because then like, it'll all be real, but like, I feel like I emotionally went through it during the trade deadline so much that like, I won't be emotionally going through it the same way now. Well, you'll have to console me. I will. Because I have, I I I will put it off. Uh, and there's definitely still a part of me that like, yeah, doesn't think he's leaving. So that part will be shocked, but I think there's another part that's like, mm, it's possible. We shall see. Um, well, let's wrap this up with Freddie. You know how I always do this with the hot girl summer Nick nurse highlight of the week. Look, we didn't get through to the Olympics. We didn't qualify. So I'm not having a hot girl summer with Nick wow. the way I thought I would. Um, the glasses came back. That was really fun for me. I do love him in glasses. We got a lot of squats in. That was nice. A lot of squats. I feel like during the Olympics, all time squatting, like I felt like he was squatting more than ever for some reason. Pretty impressive, honestly. Yeah, it is impressive. Um, the suits are not back. That's what I'm waiting for. I don't Mm -hmm. think any of the coaches are ever wearing suits again. No, Uh, that makes me sad. Um, with that being said, Freddie, you've probably already told us your favorite Nick Nurse highlight. I want to know your second favorite Nick Nurse moment. Like of all time? Of all time. Your second favorite. Oh, wow. Um, good question. I did not prep Freddie with this question. <laughs> I'll say this. I This probably isn't my first favorite moment, but. I think I've read it twice and his like encounter or like weekend or whatever with Phil Jackson is the funniest thing. Like, yes, it's just weird. And he's like, everything about it is like, what is this? And it's like, he's like, he picked me up on the side of the road and he said, we're going strawberry picking. That's how I learned about basketball. And it's like, what in the, but you know, Phil Jackson's kind of like that. Right. So it's, it's just funny to me. That's all. Yeah, and left out of that story, I'm sure, is just all the weed they smoke together. Oh, they're bong ripping. (laughs) They're for sure bong ripping like crazy. Um, That always gets left out, but that's a good one. People don't bring that one up enough. Uh, That one is super, super fun. Uh, Freddie, thank you so much. Uh, Where can people find you on the internet? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I love being on this podcast. Um, Yeah, find me on Twitter at freddy revis f-r-e-d-i-e-r-i-v-a-s and uh my podcast is at dunks podcast on twitter Catherine's always on we talk raps nba um and uh we don't have a specific account for our wnba podcast yet but you can go to you know the sonar's uh sonar podcast network's website and check that out and i think at some point we'll we'll have a home base for it yes Exactly. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Look good as night. I feel so sick. Had all the odds against my team. They came through when I clutch. Now hold my clutch. Hey, cause I'm about to stir shit out. No time for breakdowns. Only shake downs. You could roll with us or stay.